Hey guys, it's Richard. Sorry, there was a. Hey guys, it's Richard. I hope you can hear me. There was a little bit of uh, confusion here. I tried to do something different, and I think we all know I really should not do things that are different. Uh, if you can hear me, please let me know in the chat room. I would appreciate it. Uh, this is a special Sunday afternoon broadcast, so of course things are going wrong. But once we uh, get things going here, we're going to take some calls. We're going to talk to you about your thoughts and we're going to ask the most, we're going to say the most dangerous thing that you can possibly say to a soap opera loving audience, which is ask me anything. You got questions, I'll try and have answers. And it all starts in about 35 seconds. everybody. Thank you again for hanging in there. We're having some tip- technical difficulties. I'm actually trying to resolve them by calling into the show, which you would think is weird because I've already done that. But uh, I had to actually call in via Skype, which I don't usually do. And I have no idea whether it's working or not. So I'm trying to actually call in manually and we'll see if it actually works. So far, it's not. Uh, anyway, I wanted to thank you all for showing up and hanging out with me. And uh, it's Sunday afternoon on July 4th weekend. It's about 110 degrees here in the Soaps in Depth studios in beautiful Inglewood, New Jersey, a.k.a. known as my living room. Uh, if you want to join the conversation today, give us a call at 714-868-0749. Again, that's Seven one four eight six eight zero seven four nine. The next part of this experiment is going to start in a moment when I bring on a caller because I have never called into the show via this method before, so I have no idea whether I'll be able to hear the caller or not. So, yeah, I don't know what made me think that doing a Sunday afternoon show was a good idea, but what the heck, here we are with Ask Me Anything. Again, seven one four eight six eight zero seven four nine is the call-in number, and we will uh, give this a shot and see how it goes. Uh, as you guys know, this last week, there was the big news that Steve Burton is returning to General Hospital. It's been reported by various and I'm doing air quotes that you can't really see. Uh, I'm, it's been reported by sources that he's coming back as Jason, but that is absolutely unconfirmed and no truth to that rumor whatsoever. Or I should say no confirmation where that rumor is concerned. It doesn't mean it's not true. It simply means that nobody at this point knows anything. We don't know when he'll show up. We don't know who he'll be playing. We don't know how long he'll be staying. Although Steve Burton did say in a Facebook chat earlier this week that he would be sticking around, quote, for a while. Now, how long for a while is... That's a little up in the air, of course. I mean, if you are walking through the desert and it's 160 degrees and you're out there for, you know, five minutes, you might think that's a while. But uh, I'm going to guess that he's going to be there for at least a, <laughs> I say for at least a little while, which he has confirmed. 
So uh, no one knows really any details. One thing I can tell you, which is not related to Steve Burton, is that although there are reports out there that Tanya Walker's Olivia is returning on Monday, this coming Monday, July 3rd, that is not actually true. The fact of the matter is that Tanya Walker's Olivia will be seen on General Hospital on Monday and Tuesday, but that's because the show is doing reruns. Um, I'm not sure why they're actually doing reruns on Monday and Tuesday when most other shows are doing either new episodes both days or they're only doing one episode as a rerun for the holiday on Tuesday, July 4th. But General Hospital has opted to do reruns on both Monday and Tuesday. And as has become their uh, uh, way or habit of late, they are not showing classic rerun or classic episodes from the past. They're basically showing something from, as you can tell, because Olivia Jerome is going to be in it not all that long ago. So um, I get the reason that they do that. It's called mentoring and they want to sort of, you know, uh, show episodes that will have a relevance. If you happen to catch that episode, you, you know, and are interested in some of the stuff going on, then you can pick up the show and maybe some of that stuff will still be going on. I personally am not really a fan of that. I'm a big believer that if you're going to show a episode that is not new, most fans do not want to see something from six weeks ago. They want to see a classic episode. Show us Luke and Laura dancing at Windermere. Show us something from, you know, Luke and Laura on the run. Show us a classic Anna and Duke episode. There are certainly classic episodes you could show that would be relevant to what's happening now. For example, Sonny and Carly are getting their, you know, are in the process of deciding whether or not to get their fifth divorce. Show us a classic Sonny and Carly episode. Show us a classic Sonny and Carly wedding, maybe their first wedding something like that. So there are definitely ways that you can uh, onboard uh, people, but this is not my favorite way. Um, uh, it's only the soaps in the chat room said, if, uh, if you can't, I can ask you something in the chat room. Oh, I guess she's saying in case, in case I don't get questions. Well, feel free, ask questions in the chat room. I'll be glad to answer them. But right now we're going to do the great American experiment. And that is we're going to try and bring on a caller and see if they can hear me, if I can hear them, or if this entire thing has been a complete and total waste of time. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, it's 714-868-0749. And right now I'm going to try and bring into the conversation 630. 630, with a little luck, you're on the air. Let's see how it goes. Hi, Richard. Can you hear me? I can hear you. This experiment is actually oh, working. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you probably are going to wish that you... I, I oh, think it's I... Karen. Hey, Karen. How are you? Um, well, I'm not too good, thanks to General oh. Hospital. <laughs> oh, no. What now? They're always getting well, somebody you know, upset with them. <laughs> I, you know, I've been watching General Hospital for 49 years. And I've stuck with them through all their bad times, and believe me, there's been a lot of bad times. But I'm just at my, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, letting Rebecca go, I mean, what are they thinking? And then to bring Steve back, I used to be a big fan of Steve's, don't get me wrong. I adored him. Every time he comes to Chicago for a fan event, I would be there front and center. You know, I, I just really, really liked him when he left. That's a whole other story, which I'm not even going to get into. Let's, I'm just going to say I'm not happy he's coming back. Now, I'm seeing people say, well, maybe it's going to be the tale of two Jasons. Well, I don't like that idea either. 
And then there's people thinking, well, they're going to keep both of them. Well, there's no way that General Hospital can afford to keep both Steve Burton and Billy Miller. And my vote is Billy Miller. I think he's just the best. So I'm not real happy, <laughs> as you can see. All right, well, let's tackle, those, let's tackle those two different things individually. First, we'll talk about Rebecca, Rebecca Buttig. I'm a huge fan of Rebecca Buttig. Um, one of my favorite experiences as someone who has covered soaps for 25 years or so. Um, I went to Hawaii a couple of years ago when back when SoapNet was still on the air, they were filming episodes of their daytime talk show in Hawaii. And they, 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 you know, we got to fly out there and hang out on the beach and meet some of the stars and hang out and interview them and stuff. And one afternoon I got to hang out with Rebecca Buttig um, and just like have cocktails and talk to her as a, as just, you know, like a normal person. And she was, awesome. She's just, just a, a really cool lady. And I really very much enjoyed her. I've also been a fan of hers, you know, all the way back to Greenlee and all my children. I've seen her on a million things. I kind of follow her around. I also love her, her Twitter feed, especially when she and Greg Rickert are sort of fake feuding back and forth. Um, he played Kevin on the young and the restless Well, still does for a little right, bit. Long, right. Not long, yeah, I do that. too. I, I, very, I follow both of them too. <laughs> But they're very, very funny. They're really funny. But here's the thing that I'm going to say. Um, I, I want to be more upset about Rebecca being let go than I am, and here's why I'm not. It has less to do with Rebecca than it does the writing of the show and the way they've handled this character. You know, um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is that General Hospital right now has sort of a payoff problem. And that was very much in evidence with the entire story with Liz and Hayden being sisters. There was no payoff to it. There was no big bubble moment. There was no, there's really been nothing after it. You know, all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, Hayden, because she's pregnant, was hanging out with Liz's kids. And we never really saw this whole family unit forming. So I don't really feel like they've done a great job of integrating Hayden into the canvas. The other thing I'll say about it is this. Um, one thing that almost every General Hospital fan will agree on is that the show is just vastly overstaffed. The show has way too much cast and that there need to be cuts. Whenever that happens, no matter who you decide to cut, there are people who are not going to like it. You know, you can decide you're going to cut uh, character A and fans of that character are going to be upset and say, why didn't you cut character B? You can say you're going to cut character B and fans of that that actor or actress or character are going to say the same thing. So, you know, I, I, I feel like the way the canvas is structured right now, as much as I love Rebecca Buttig, as much as I love the potential of Hayden, I do not, like, I don't have a big reaction to her to her, the character being written off, honestly, because I don't feel like they've ever done anything to really solidly invest well, me in the character. That's true to a, to a degree, but what got me, I mean, then they never should have, and then they got me invested in the Hayden-Finn um, relationship, which I absolutely love. I love those two together. It's just, you know, you, you get to, you know, where you, you're really comfortable Yes, they could have done more with Hayden, and, and I wish they would have brought Jeff Weber back for a brief time or whatever, and that's General Hospital's fault for not for not doing that. But there's still other people that I think could have, they, if they had to let somebody go, it could have been somebody else. And it, it's just that she is such a great actress. She's right up there, I think, with Finola and Mora as far as her ability, her acting ability. She's just like... 
she's just good. I just, I don't know. There's, I don't know what else to say. Well, I agree, but I would also say that when I look at the General Hospital canvas, I don't see, like, I don't see a lot of bad actors on that show. That is a show with a grade A cast. And so, again, you know, no matter who you decide to cut, there are going to be people who are invested in that character. There are going to be people who are invested in that actor or actress. Um, I liked the idea of Finn and Hayden. The glue for me with Finn and Hayden was Tracy. And so when Tracy left, I sort of feel like they sort of lost a little bit of, of it felt like they weren't really as invested in, in the couple as they were in how these three characters played together. And so, I mean, I want to be invested in them, but I just, I'm just, I'm just not all that invested. I mean, her all of a sudden being pregnant came out of nowhere. Uh, it, it just, yeah, it just it just yeah, it guess, felt like but... a lot of plot points. It felt like great actors who are being given plot points as opposed to things that will make me care about the character. And there is a difference, you know, like Liz and Hay- Liz and Hayden being sisters should have been something that really led me to be really invested in their relationship and in their um, in 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 their this this expansion of the family of a character that we've known and loved for 20 years. I mean, I mean, you know, Rebecca Herbst is celebrating 20 years in this role. And so, so to give her a sister, this should have been a huge thing with a big impact that really, you know, impacted the canvas. And it didn't, it really had no impact whatsoever. You're you're right. You're right. I, I just, I, I don't know. I guess I, to each, to each his own, I guess. I just, and that, Steve Burton, um, I understand what you're saying, and I think for me, it's all about. I, I've been saying this on Twitter. I don't come. Who, I don't care who comes to the show. I don't care who leaves the show. I care about the the story that you put on that show every day. So if you're going to bring somebody back, it's less for me about you know whether it's Steve Burton or anybody else. It's less for me about that actor or actress coming back to the show. It's more about okay now. I need you to tell a really good story. Whatever your reason for whatever story you've got that you're building him around, it can't just feel like, Hey, we have an opportunity to bring this popular actor back. We're going to do it. It has to be a solid story that makes sense. As far as them not being able to afford both Billy and Steve, I would disagree. I don't think there's any reason that they can't. I mean, you know, especially since if, as many are speculating, Rebecca is only one of the people that they're letting go. And we're going to see, you know, we're going to see more people leaving in the future, which is not a bad thing because this show is in desperate need of, of cast trimming. Then, you know, I'm not opposed to trimming the cast and being in order to be able to pay for the, the big players with the heavy investment on the part of the audience. That doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I guess, but I mean, I, I would hate for. Maybe you're right that they could afford to pay both of them. I just didn't really think that was even something that they would even entertain to do, and I'm kind of hoping they're bringing him back, like, you know, Sam hallucinates seeing him. I really don't want a tale of two Jasons, but I don't know. Well, it's interesting. Someone in the chat room was saying um, that I am a story-dependent viewer, whereas other people are more character-oriented. I would argue that those are not 
different things. I think you can bring any character on the canvas and if that character is boring, no one's going to care. I think you can, I think that the reason that you care about a character is because A, the actor playing them, but, but also they have to have a story that you're invested in. If you're not invested right. in a story and that character is just sitting there on a daily basis, taking up space, um, I suppose there are going to be some in the audience who are like, I don't care. I like this actor. I like this character. And I'm going to watch for that. But I think the majority of viewers tune in every day to see a compelling story. And without that compelling story, I don't know that, that just having a character that you like on screen is enough. You know what I mean? They have no, to have I know. And, to do. Right. Like when he went to, to Young and the Restless to play Dylan, I could never, ever, I, I couldn't get invested in that character. They just didn't write him well at all from the very beginning. And they kept changing his backstory. And it was like, why should I care about this character? So I might be more character-driven than, than I, I think I'm both. But it was a shame what, you know, how they wrote that character. They could have. You know, the last year he was on was when they finally told some halfway decent story for him. But before that, they were just like, it was almost like they didn't know what to do. Completely agree. And I think that that, that what you hit the nail on the head there. They introduced him without a good story in place. They bounced him around the canvas. You know, they put they put um, they put Dylan with Chelsea. Then they had him and her. You know, had this baby that was taken away from him, and he was Stitch's friend, and he was suffered PTSD. And they bounced him all around the canvas. And then in the final year, and and really in his exit story, ironically, they really figured out what to do with him. I mean, Steve rocked that exit story the, with him going undercover and you know working the whole porn stash look and everything. It was really entertaining stuff, and and it was some of the best work he did during his time on YNR. And unfortunately, it was a case where it felt like they figured out what to do with him only as they were losing him, and that that exactly. I think that was sort of a, a little bit of a, a tragedy, honestly. Okay, maybe not yeah, tragedy. Maybe you, tragedy may be the wrong word. We may say that. <laughs> but yeah, thing. I know. I but, agree with you. Was, I agree with you. But it was not from a soap opera viewing point of view. It was a minor <laughs> tragedy. <laughs> well, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna um, say, you know, let somebody else get on. I don't want to hog the whole time, and so, so somebody else can talk. But I appreciate you taking my call and listening to oh, me. Oh, gladly. Thanks for calling. I really, I, 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 it's why I'm here. Like I always say, if you guys don't call in, it's me talking to myself. Uh, and also, if you do call in and you want to be on the show, please make sure that you push the button when indicated so I can bring you on. Uh, the number is 714-868-0749. Uh, another thing that we've been talking about quite a bit lately is The Young and the Restless and the two couples in crisis there, which are Kane and Lily on one side and Hillary and Devon on the other. And I say on one side and the other, but really those two stories are very, very, um, you know, they're very inter intertwined. Um, the I, I had been telling people over the last week or two um, during podcasts, that they should sort of keep their eye on Hillary and Devon because I know that people have not liked the story the way it's been told of late. They have not really been been pleased with it, and that um, that if in in my eyes there was there was some shifts coming, and I think we saw the beginning of that shift on Friday's episode. Um, in case you missed Friday's episode, 
um, they had these lovely scenes at the end where they did exactly what I want you to do with a couple who is not together, but who the audience wants together. Hillary and Devon went up to her suite to have a conversation. He had just overheard the whole thing about Juliet being pregnant and he was very upset about this. And, uh, uh, he and Hillary went upstairs and started having this conversation and Hillary was much more subdued, more the listener than the, you know, sort of, sort of aggressive person that we see her as a lot of times on air right now. And then came that moment toward the end of the episode where Devon left her room and he stood outside and he turned around and he paused and he looked at the door And Hillary was on her side of the door and she was looking toward the door and it was like, it was all but screaming, yes, we still love each other. And for me, this is sort of how you write a couple that is not together on air, but you want the audience to get that, yes, we understand this is our couple. This is the root for couple. The very next scene, um, or one of the very next scenes, was... Devon going to uh, the ranch house where Mariah lives, you know, Mariah, who he's currently paired with much to the consternation of Hillary and Devon fans. And there was a scene between uh, Mariah and, and Devon. And that scene, if you watched it carefully, it was, they were really planting the seeds of, of, I think of what we're going to see coming down the road. You know, Mariah wasn't particularly thrilled to hear that he was spending time with Devon, uh, with that Devon was spending time with Hillary, not to mention the fact that she could sort of tell he, even just in the way he was talking about her, he had softened. Um, There was something about it. And you, the look on Mariah's face, if I'm going to do the look right now, you can't see me, but if you could, I'm doing like a screen grab of the look. And the look was, rut row like this is not good and I think that Mariah is a smart enough character that she knows um how to read a situation so I do really believe that we are going to start seeing sort of a shift away from uh you know I don't think you can do something like this overnight I think as far as they pushed Hillary and Devon apart and it's a lot like Julian and Alexis on General Hospital. They, they, not quite as severe. I mean, Julian and Alexis, you know, there was abuse evolved and, and he held a knife to her throat and all that. But, but with them, we saw this couple really pushed apart. And we've seen the same thing with Hillary and Devon, where they really went to extremes to push them apart. And I think when you do that, you can't just, no matter how badly the audience wants you to say, okay, now we're going to put them together. It's not that simple you have to work there there have to be reasons it has to be natural they have to be yes there are people in the audience who will automatically accept them coming back together put them back together they don't care they're happy but uh that's not really how you know for the majority of the audience you need they need to see it they need to see evidence that this couple uh deserves deserves is a bad word but has earned sort of the right to be back together. Uh, again, we're taught we we're playing ask me anything, which means if you've got questions, now is the time to ask whether you're calling in on 714-868-0749 or whether you've got them in the chat room. Um, uh, a couple of people in the chat room agreeing that it was disappointing what happened with Steve on the young and the restless. Uh, and, 
someone saying, I hope that they allow Mariah to not go insane and desperate about Devon and let him go. I would say that that's not the route they're going to go. I don't think that Mariah is the kind of character that you would want to take down that road. I could be wrong. I mean, you know, heaven knows that we have seen, um, I, I would never have predicted years ago when Sharon and Nick were the big couple, I would never have predicted that Sharon would go down the path that she went where, you know, she married Victor twice and she burned the ranch down and, uh, you know, all of the other uh, things that we saw happen to Sharon as the character was being thrown under the bus. So I don't think that they would take Mariah down that road, but it is daytime, and one never knows <laughs> just how desperately um, they might try something like that. I have someone on the line here. I believe their flash came on, and then it went off, and then it came on again. Um, we're going to see if they actually are wanting to be on the air. Uh, 630, you're on the air. I'm not sure if you want to be or not. Say hi, 630. Oh, maybe you don't want to be here. All right. Well, one of my fears with doing the uh, doing this on a Sunday afternoon on the holiday weekend was that it would end up being me babbling because uh, people were not around to call in. And that seems to be what has happened. So I'm going to hold on another minute or two. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give me a call at 714-868-0749. Otherwise, I will not force you people. Well, nobody's forcing you. I will not make anyone sit and listen to me continue to babble. Uh, Not that I couldn't. I'm very good at it. But if you want to join the conversation, uh, let's put this as the going once, going twice, going three times kind of thing. It's 714-868-0749. I said ask me anything, but apparently people didn't have questions today. Uh, There's just probably not a lot of people around. Uh, The other news that's been coming down the pike, or rumors, I should say, um, as we know, Jean Passanante uh, is retiring from General Hospital. She will be writing through the end of July. So she, um, I believe July 31st is her last day uh, of her contract. And that leaves the question of, that leaves the question of whether or not they will be bringing on a new writer, uh, whether or not uh, she will just, con- uh, 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 Shelley will just continue to, right on her own. Um, someone in the chat room asked, one of my questions for you, Richard, is can you share one of your all-time favorite stories in the 21st century? So we're looking for something recent. And what, um, one of my, my favorite recent stories. Uh, I really loved the Quinn reveal, the Quinn-Eric reveal on The Bold and the Beautiful. Um, I thought it came out of nowhere and yet made complete and total sense. Given Eric's history, the women he's dated in the past, uh, it, it made absolute sense that Eric would get involved with a woman like Quinn. Um, you know, you look at his past. Donna was not quite as over the top as some of the women he's been involved with, but Stephanie was definitely, you know, sort of Quinn and Stephanie are not that far apart on the on the who's more like who scale we also had um sheila of course he was involved with sheila and uh let's face it we all know who sheila was i'm also really enjoying the summer of sheila and i love that the bold and the beautiful was able to surprise us with her return because for me modern soaps don't do a great job of keeping surprises and that's not necessarily their fault it's the fault of 
Um, there being so many leaks and it's so hard to keep a secret, but Bold and the Beautiful really went out on a limb and did everything in their power to keep that secret. Honestly, I wish General Hospital had done the same thing with Steve Burton. I wish that, um, you know, we had all been watching and then all of a sudden one Friday afternoon episode, oh my God, there's Steve Burton on my, ca- on, on, on my television. Is he Jason? Is he someone else? Who is he? What does this mean? Um, I think, I think that that would have had, you know, more, it would have been a little more buzz. Yes, you get the buzz of Steve Burton coming back, and now we're all going to talk about it until he is on screen. And then we'll talk about what he's doing and who he's playing. But I think there's more to be gained from sort of popping him on, and all of a sudden, there he is. And, you know, the internet, look how the internet went wild the day after uh, Kimberly Brown's Sheila showed up on the air. Um, someone taught, someone brought up the alien twins on Days of Our Lives. Remember that? They were wrapped in like aluminum foil and uh, uh, Cassie and what was her twin's name? I can't remember. He was played by Eric Winter, but I can't remember what his name was. But the uh, the aluminum foil twins, that was that was a lot of fun. Someone is also asking, are they going to give Anna and Andre a chance on General Hospital? If you missed Friday's General Hospital, uh, toward the end, um, um, they did this really fun disco dance number with Anna and Andre, who I forgot just how much chemistry they have together. And that's one, another of the problems with General Hospital is they let us forget. They um, completely allow us to uh, to, you know, that they introduce characters or stories or couples, and then they get backburnered to the point where we're like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot how much chemistry that couple had. Um, and, and so they played Anna and Andre in this disco scene on Friday that was a blast. I could have watched another 10 minutes of it, and it ended with them, like, very close to kissing. And um, do I think they'll give them a chance? I'd like to think so, um, but I I haven't seen anything that indicates that there's big story ahead for them. Doesn't mean there's not. I just haven't seen anything indicating that. Uh, we have a caller here. I do not know where they're calling from because I, it's either Canada or Skype or something because it doesn't come up with a number. So if you think it might be you, say hello. Hello? Hello, it is you. You're a winner. <laughs> ah, yay! Who am I talking to? What was the name? Sophia. Okay, we have a really fairly bad connection, but but go ahead, hit it. What yeah. do you got for me today? I don't know. I feel like I know. My apartment is terrible. Um, can you hear me better now or no? A little bit. A little bit. Um, okay, my question to you is, do you think that I feel like General Hospital overall is unrecognizable to me as like a long-term viewer? I just wish there's so many... Um, new characters, and on top of that, the recast makes it like the all new faces for the most, I mean, you know, for the most part for me. Do you think there's like, I feel like it's not enough that I don't mind new people, but I feel like the new people don't really add anything. Like, you know, and no, I don't think they add anything to me. You know, I'm not saying, okay, it's my opinion. Okay, for those of you who can't hear, because like I said, the call is is very broken up. But for those of you who can't hear, um, um, she's asking how she's saying there's a lot of the General Hospital doesn't feel like General Hospital. She's been a longtime fan. Um, it doesn't seem recognizable to her. There's a lot of new characters, and while she's not opposed to new characters, doesn't feel like um, the new characters necessarily you know add a lot to the canvas. There's a couple different things to unpack there. 
One is what we consider um, a new character. It's funny because um, one of my followers on Twitter, uh, who I interact with fairly regularly, you're going to hear the sound of a soda can opening any second now. (laughs) Because I've been talking a lot. My voice hurts or my throat hurts. Um, uh, One of the people I interact with on Twitter a lot hates new characters, hates them. Never, you know, just just is is not happy when a new character is on screen, no matter who they're sharing a scene with, no matter what happens, they're just not happy about right. it. But their definition of new character is very broad. For example, they consider Nina and Nathan new characters. And that raises the question of at what point are characters new characters and at what point do they become, you know, sort of part of the established canvas? You know, is Kiki a new character or has she been around long enough that she is sort of an established member of life in Port Charles? And and so that's, you know, that's that's a good question. I do agree that one of the reasons that I think General Hospital is so overcrowded, and it's something I talk about a lot, the fact that there are just too many characters on the canvas, part of that is that there was this influx of characters over the last couple of years. And so on the one hand, there's a lot of new characters. On the other hand, they also they don't necessarily feel connected because we've never connected them to anybody that would make us exactly. care about they them. Don't flesh, they don't flesh out the characters. You know, they don't flesh out. It's just like, right. I feel like they, they hop with Nina from one person to the next, you know, and it's like, that's why I mean, that's why she, I feel like she's always, she's a new person. She's a new place. She's the time to connect her to, she doesn't work with this person, going on to the next person, and it doesn't work with that person, she's going on to the next person. And it doesn't feel connected, I don't connect with her at all. Since the beginning, just, you know, that's, that's why I, I still think she's a, she's a newbie. Yeah, I... I completely, I completely agree. Um, here's the thing. I don't care if it's a new character or a longstanding character. Um, if that character comes on and is connected to people, people I love, has good storyline, then, you know, then I'm invested. There have been characters who have come on and I have immediately been invested in them from day one. Um, my friend Danny Horn, who I quote this all the time, he writes the Dark Shadows Every Day blog, my, my very favorite daily read. Um, and, and he's just one of the smartest people I know about soaps and, and how they work or how they should work. Has three rules. When a new character comes on, they need to make a joke, make a friend, and make a plot point happen. And if you do those three things, so then the you have better. What was the last part? What was the last part? Uh, part? Make, a, make a friend, make a joke. Mm-hmm. And make a plot point happen. So if a character is able to do those three things, then they have a better chance of success, you know, because, because the audience, like, for example, and the reason the make a friend is so important is when a new character comes on screen, how we feel about them is going to directly be impacted by how they interact with people that we know and love. So if you bring somebody Mm -hmm. on and they make a friend and that person is someone we've known for 20 years and love. Like if you bring someone on and Elizabeth likes them, we're like, okay, Elizabeth likes them. There must be something there. There must be a reason. But if you bring somebody on and they have, you know, for example, when they brought Obrecht on, I am, I love Kathleen Gotti. I think Kathleen Gotti is hysterical. I think she's a fantastic actress. I think she's a wonderful person. Um, I've interviewed her several times. I've had her on the show. I love her. But I don't understand why why that character is still on the canvas. 
because yes, me too. I think she's great. I I love her too. I think casting is fantastic. I just don't think like like her history with like Robin Scorpio and Anna and you know and how she's still there. Well, again, exactly. And that sort of goes to another of the problems that the show has, which is, you know, um, for example, when they introduced Valentin, Valentin did not come on the show and make a friend, make a joke, make a plot point happen. He made a plot point happen, Mm -hmm. but it was to shoot Kevin and kill Nicholas. And so you can't now, just because James Patrick Stewart is one of the most charming, appealing actors on the planet, it's, you know, you can't expect the audience to just forget that that the character did exactly. these awful yeah. things. Yes, there well, are that's people... the same thing with Franco. I, for me, at least, I'm not a Franco fan at all. I just feel like that he should have never been Franco. Or he, Franco could have left with being Franco. That's my opinion. I, I, am very, I am very torn on Franco, and here's why. Um, I agree with you that, um, you know, Franco's done all these horrible things in the past. I admit, Thanks to Roger Howarth, I totally buy the um, I buy the brain tumor thing. Plus, after the brain tumor, you know, the, the, the they they sort of almost treated him like a new character, and he did make jokes, and he did make friends, and he did make plot points happen, and they paired him with Elizabeth, and the chemistry was through the roof, and I wanted Elizabeth to have something good, and so it it sort of worked to me. Um, someone in the chat room was just saying. Uh, that they don't know when they can ask a question. Um, I don't see your uh, symbol. If you tell me what area code, Ellen, I believe it is. Ellen's rainy day. If you tell me what area code you're calling from, I will um, gladly bring you on. Um, but again, that's that's one of the reasons that I'm very able to accept Franco is because he uh, they treated him like a new character and they gave me reasons to like him. So you know, he sort of goes against some of the things that I, that I, like all soap fans, I can occasionally be hypocritical. Um, one of the things you will hear almost every soap fan in the world say is, I don't want new characters. I don't want new characters. Unless it involves bringing an actor that they love onto the show. Or, I don't like Back from the Dead. I don't like Back from the Dead. But if you're going to bring this character who shouldn't have been dead, like like you will hear all the time, I don't like Back from the Dead. I don't like Back from the Dead. But if you want to bring Duke back from the dead on General Hospital, I'd be okay with that. So we soap fans are often a very hypocritical bunch. Um, we're going to bring Ellen's rainy day into the conversation. She's um, calling from 937. Ellen, what do you got for me? Hi, Richard. This is actually Amy, and I'm calling from Ohio, and thank you for taking my call. What do you got for Well, I'd like to discuss just kind of a way, several things. First of all, uh, you had mentioned earlier about uh, too long of a time gap between to show the chemistry of characters, and I would like to mention that as well, because that's certainly what happened in regards to Kevin and Laura and GH, just too much gaps in their storyline. Even now, I would love to see John and Jeannie get the recognition that they deserve as veteran actors of this soap opera for many, many years. And, uh, you know, even more importantly, just kind of that discussion around why vets aren't given more to do when there's been so much of, again, those new characters. So kind of tying into several things you've been discussing here recently. Yeah, um, I really like what we're seeing with Kevin and Laura right now with Spencer being thrown into the mix. And 
Um, of course, we know that's not going to last all that long because, um, as we know from Nicholas Bechtel's Twitter feed, he's done at GH for the summer because he's, you know, between school and his other job, he's done for the summer. So I'll be interested to see where that goes. And my fear is once you take Spencer out of the equation, you know, what does what does that leave Kevin and Laura? I hope lots of good things, given that, you know, given how connected they are to the canvas, but based on what we've seen in the past, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit wary of where they might, where they might go, but it is, it's, it's problematic. And, you know, it's funny, people say that the reason that things are dropped for so long is they have too big a canvas. And I've, I've said that as well. And I do think that's part of the problem, but I don't think it's the whole problem because, you know, there are other shows on the air um, that have huge canvases and that doesn't happen. You know, it's just a matter of weaving characters in and out. And it doesn't mean that they have to be on the front burner all the time, but like, there is no reason. Why did they have to bring, um, like, I love Danelle Turner, but there was no reason for him to be involved in this, in the, in the Finn Hayden story when they easily could have played Brad and Lucas. And since we've seen Brad going back to his bad ways and sort of being, you know, a jerk with Finn and all this, why are we not playing the next step of that? Which is how does Lucas react to, they've established that Lucas and Finn knew each other in the past. They were friends. They went to school together. So how would Lucas feel about the fact that his husband is being a jerk to Finn? You know, like it's little things like that, that, that really add to the feel of the overall canvas and also prevent characters from just vanishing for months on end. And I would argue too, and uh, you know, the big group of our Kevlar nation that's strong supporters for Kevin and Laura noticed also that when they are on, there's even more and more fans and viewers and people commenting. I think they're probably the only character group, couple group that um, nobody has a negative word to say about. So if they were featured even more, I could, could see that fan base even growing further. And I don't understand why they can't have a story of their own. Uh, much like when they introduced them uh, a year ago as characters with Laura trying to find clues that were dropped from Elena's will. And again, um, John and Jeannie are such talented actors that they do not need to prop up other storylines, that they're quite capable of carrying a story of their own. And again, I guess I would go back to especially for Jeannie Francis, who's such a soap icon. Um, I feel like GH really does her a disservice at this point. Well, there's a couple things there to talk about. Um, One is let's never forget that it's that, often there are more things at play than anybody knows. For example, the actor's availability may not be uh, such that they, like, for example, right now, as far as I know, um, I do not believe that um, John Lindstrom is under contract, and I do not believe that he necessarily no, wants he's not. And, and he does not necessarily want to go under contract because he's got a lot of other mm-hmm. irons in the fire. And it's very, very difficult for a show to commit to a story if they don't know what kind of availability they're going to have for an actor. So well, that happens a lot where, where you know, a show might want to write for, might want, might recognize that, you know, there's potential here, but if we can't know that, you know, we can't plot out a year long story or even a six month story, if we don't know that we're going to have the actor available to us to tell that story. So that happens a lot. The other thing, and no fan base on the face of the planet wants to hear this, but, um, but I'm just going to put it out there because it's pretty much a fact. 
I love fan bases. I love them. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, my, my magazine, my industry thrives on, you know, every aspect of soaps thrives on fan bases, but individual fan bases do not really overall have that much of an impact on ratings or stories or um, because, and here's why soaps are a community thing. Soaps are, you know, sort of a, um, um, uh, there's a lot of pieces that go into the puzzle and there are very, very, there are very few cases where any one couple propelled a show in the ratings. It's usually the fact that there are a lot of good things going on at the canvas at the same time. When a soap goes into a slump, the whole canvas goes into a slump. You know, it's like all the various can- couples on the canvas tend to go into a slump at the same time. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, Sophia is, is pointing out as an example, Julian and Alexis. No, Julian and Alexis <laughs> have not driven, you know, Fan bases say if you put our couple together, they will go, you know, the ratings will go through the roof. No, the ratings might get a little bit of a bump, but what really drives ratings and puts them higher is the overall canvas. The story has to be solid across the canvas. It is not quite, it can't just be for one group of characters. The shows do not, soap operas do not live and and die based on the popularity of one couple. Um, I I agree with that, Richard. Kevin and Laura in particular the the fan base that Kevin and Laura have the largest attraction to, and you'll hear some noise here because someone in my household has decided now is a good time to make margaritas, <laughs> and so they turned on the blender. I'm doing a show out here. Uh, could you close the door out there? I'm trying to do a show in here. Uh, uh, Kevin and Laura, the fan base that most is drawn to them is not a fan base that advertisers care about. Advertisers care about the young demographic. And I'm not saying that Kevin and Laura don't have fans in the young demographic, but I'm saying that the vast majority of the people who um, tend to be fans of that pairing are not in the majority, are not in the the demographic. Now I think that sucks. I think the fact that the, I think the fact that we have turned the world over to the 18 to 34 year old demographic, which I have not been a part of for, well, let's just say a few years, is a horrible, horrible thing. But it's also a fact that every decision at every soap opera is based on, and that is that demographic, sadly. Right, and I know you can't control what uh, the powers that be do in terms of a general hospital, but I also wish that we would see more uh, variety within the soap media field. I get disappointed when what mirrors the show and mirrors in the magazine and the focus well, is on, I mean, you know, of course, it's, we're covering the Bernard and well, of course it does because let's let's not you know let's not um, you know let's let's just call it like it is. Just as soaps are a business, so are we. We cover you know what sells. If we put something on the cover and it sells, it's going to get another cover. If we you know if if we put something on the cover and it doesn't sell, then it's not going to be as likely to get another cover. So um, same thing with the show. You know the shows are businesses and. The biggest difference between them and us probably is that our demo is different than theirs. You know, um, because we're a magazine, we probably appeal more to an older demo than does than does the show itself. You know, we probably have a we probably have an older demo because let's face it, kids don't read. We all know that. 
Um, so we definitely, you know, we do, a, I think, a pretty good job of trying to spread the love and spread the coverage and cover all aspects of a show. But at the same time, we also have to cover what the show is, is covering. You know, I mean, that's, you know, like we're not going to do a Kevin and Laura cover when Kevin and Laura don't have a storyline. You know, that's just that's just that's just not going to happen because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because it wouldn't, it really wouldn't sell. You know what I mean? You might be surprised, Richard. No, I mean, you know, you know, let's, let's, let's be clear here. We've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, you know, we, we keep track of these things. We know these, you know, we're, we're sea witches. We I know. Things. It's just Dean Francis's old joke. Soap. What, what was that? So bike on. And I agree. I think that's where the, the genre needs to kind of reinvent itself and, and uh, figure out what is going to improve those ratings. I like how you said that it's a community. It's not just one fan base. It's not just one actor. It's not just, you know, despite what Frank Valentini tried to tell us all, it's not just Maurice Bernard or Laura Wright. It's the, it's the whole show. It's the whole genre. Trying to reinvent that, trying to tell character-driven stories. It's just, uh, you know, I'd love to lock them in a room and force them to watch some of the classic days of GH and, with the storytelling and, and with still a large cast that you're exactly right, still gets their story told, gets, um, you know, the, the moments and not just the beats or the plot points. Uh, and again, that character driven where there's ties and connections with the cast and characters that you care about. It's possible. Right. It's there doable. Is. I think it's and doable. I think, I think they need I to do it quick happens. before. I think what's happened is get any worse. I think what's happened is there's a foxhole mentality and it's sort of a, it's like a snake eating its own tail because what happened is, you know, over the years, um, ratings have clearly fallen. I mean, if you look at the days of Luke and Laura, when like, you know, 20 million people a day were watching and you look now, clearly ratings have, have massively fallen. And there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, from everything from the, the, the quality of storytelling to the fact that there are now 500 channels that all, you know, that, that, that divide the audience to the fact that, you know, more women are in the workplace or, you know, people don't have, you know, there's, there's a ton of reasons, but what I think has happened is that over the years, as the ratings fell and as at the same time, um, it was decided that the young demographic was the audience that we want, which I guess I, I, I understand that on a base level that, you know, if you hook them when you're young, you've got lifetime customers. So I get that. If I'm, if I'm Coca-Cola, I want to hook you when you're 16, not, you know, by the time you're 60, I don't really care about you because I'm not going to change your preferences. So I do understand that on a certain business level, but I think what happened was in the grand pursuit of this, when ratings started falling, the, People behind the scenes at Soaps panicked and said, well, okay, we need to make things faster. We need to, you know, we need to stop playing moments and always be playing a plot point. Because if we're not playing a plot point every minute of every day, then, then people will change the channel. Um, I, I had a soap writer once tell me that he had written a, this, this phenomenal scene that was like, you know, this amazing heartfelt monologue, end of episode kind of thing. And it was like this three-minute monologue that, that was going to go on. And as it was going on, you would flash to all the couples who had been impacted by this huge story. And, the, and, the, and the, at the end of it, basically, you know, the response he got was, um, yeah, but what's going to blow up? You know, because, because nobody's going to sit here and watch four minutes of somebody talking. And 
I think that that's a real problem that the genre has has sort of had is it's in its attempt to to sort of prevent ratings from falling further, they're alienating the audience that they do have because kids aren't you know the most kids you know the the sixteen year olds aren't going to run home and watch General Hospital doesn't or or the Young and the Restless it doesn't matter whether you put, you know, 16-year-olds or 60-year-olds on, they are not going to watch. So stop alienating the audience that you actually have. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I, I, but I, I, still think I still think they've still got to find a way to kind of reinvent and bring up the ratings before they get any worse, before they fall any further. I agree. But I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think it's necessarily a case of reinventing the wheel. I think it's going back and looking at the wheel and sort of taking a look at what works, you know, and what has worked in the past, you know, um, I, you know, I, I also, I, I wonder, and sometimes, you know, sometimes fear, I guess, is, is is have we reached a point where maybe we never will again see the days that we once did? I don't want to believe that because I think there is a great audience. I think there is an audience out there for well-told stories. I think we see it in primetime all the time. I think you look at the, the shows on Oprah Winfrey's network and, and you know, the, the, the sort of storytelling that they're doing that's more bold than what we're seeing. And I think that's one of the keys is I think, um, not talking down to the audience, not writing stories that are that treat the audience like idiots. I think that's important. I think it's really, really important yeah. if you want to launch, if you want to latch up, catch a modern audience, is to tell modern storytelling across the spectrum of sexuality, across this that 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 treats the audience as if they've seen 20 years worth of Law and Order and know, you know, how the legal system works, as opposed to you know silliness that that the audience. Um, they, they think the audience will just continue to accept because, well, it's just soap operas and it's just the soap opera audience. But I think you need to go beyond that. And, and the only way to do that is to modernize your storytelling. I agree with that, but I still feel like there's a, you know, just look at soap Twitter. There's so many people, there's so many people invested. There's so much, you know, still people out there that are interested in the genre that want to keep tuning in, that don't want to lose this and, and I've always felt like, you know, it's a unique genre in that it has history, and especially General Hospital right now. You know, I could, I, I, it's a good thing I was sitting down when they had the scene where, you know, Kevin mentioned that he had worked with uh, Jason years ago. And that's what I wish they would tap into more in terms of flashbacks, in terms of, you know, why wasn't um, Curtis or Andre somehow connected to the Ward family? You've got an awful lot of us viewers that are still watching 40, 50 years later, and have also got new folks interested, you know. I know some of the younger viewers are definitely still wanting to see Jeannie Francis front and center. Um, You know, she brought in the highest ratings in daytime, and you'd never know she was still on General Hospital for the most part and really deserves to be given that storyline and be front and center um, and veteran actors that can do those moments and the longer dialogues. Uh, well, all right, let's mentioned. play the game. This is, this is the game I always play. It's, it's the reason that I wrote, um, the reason that I wrote Eye of the Storm. You know, the, my, 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 my book was all about a fan who basically says, I could write better stuff than this and ends up 
through a contest becoming the head writer of her show. So let's play the game. If you were writing a story for um, uh, Laura and Kevin, what would that story be? Because I know you've got one. Yes, I do. I have several. I just Um, happened to. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, um, just try again, kind of the direction that they were going in when they, you know, as big of a fan as I've been of Jeannie Francis and John Lindstrom for years, I never saw that coming. I at the time thought, oh, my gosh, this is who they're going to pair together, and I just love them. And it's just uh, I feel like that had a great direction going there with the what did Laura love and lost, and I feel like there's still more to be story to be told with the whole uh, mental illness lapsing into her state that she was in. Wasn't that inflicted by but Helena? What's the actual story? Those are all those are all pieces of her history. But what's the actual story? Well, we're again. Kevin's a big part of that as a psychiatrist, trying to sort that out and figure that out and help Laura to recover. To know that that wasn't her fault and all the years that she lost. I mean, I just think there's you could go in a lot of directions with that. Um, acknowledging, again, that they've got shared history. You know, they were on together for the first time in 1993. They interacted around right, the same characters. But I'm not hearing a story here. You know, I'm not hearing what is your pitch for an actual storyline. These well, are a lot of scenes. These are that. all scenes that are very nice scenes and that play on history and stuff. But there, there has to, you know, but, 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 but if you want them to have something front burner, there has to be an actual storyline. So what's your pitch for that? Oh, I'd have to really think about that to give you an accurate pitch, but I, it's, it's definitely doable and it's there in terms of that story to figure out that the uh, mental illness was something, again, created by Helena, that Laura lost all those years of her life and you know, again, getting back to that mystery that they threw out there at us, and we got no payoff from it because it just vanished. It just disappeared. Oh, and heaven that's knows. happened so much here lately. Yeah, heaven knows. That's been a, a huge problem with the show for a very long time. Listen, I want to thank you very, very much for calling in. We only have about a minute of the show left here, so I just want to wrap up real quick. Um, Funny, you guys can probably hear the voice saying 60 seconds. Usually you can't. Um, thank you guys so much for coming. I know it's July 4th weekend. Um, obviously, people had better things to do, but I'm glad that those of us who came got to hang out and talk and talk soaps. And uh, we'll do it again in a, in a week or so during our regular broadcast. Thank you, as always, for coming, because without you, um, it's just me talking to myself. And we heard today a little bit of how that goes, and it's not pretty. Um, As always, I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps In-Depth magazine. If you happen to need something to read and you have a Kindle, one of my books, Crimes Against Civility, is free this week, uh, this weekend on on, uh, Amazon if you have a Kindle. So feel free to pick it up. I'll link you if you need it. As always, thank you for coming. And remember, because it's so, what do you have to do? Tune in tomorrow.